Rebirth of Venus. I'm Caitlin Matanley, and I'm a spiritual mindset coach, a personal development junkie, an all-around Venus worshiper, and a powerful witch. I'm here to talk dirty about evolution, revolution, and how to embody the archetype of Venus, original bad bitch, every damn day. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. How's everyone doing today? I hope you're doing amazing. I'm feeling such a good vibe about this month. It's July. It is, that means nothing, the July part. It's just, you know, it's a new month. God, I love the fresh feeling of a new month. To me, it's like New Year's Day vibes. I know people hate on New Year's, but I've said it before. I fucking love it because someone said this once to me. Like, this wasn't an original thought, but I was like, fuck yes, I agree with that. And I don't remember who it was. So if it's you, tell me (laughs) so I can thank you. But I remember someone said once that New Year's Day is the one day of the year, or like the whole New Year's, you know, vibe is the one time of the year when everyone, I mean, the average person, most people, many people, are really fucking excited about possibility. And I totally agree with that. And to me, the beginning of a month, it's like a whole new vibe. It's a whole new feel. It's like starting fresh. I um, track my goals monthly, my, my money goals, and um, some people actually, <laughs> quick, quick side note. So I get a lot of questions about how I do that. And I have like a pretty strong perspective on it. So I'm just going to like do a little riff, a quick tangent, and then get back to the whole like possibility piece. So I <laughs> don't laugh. <laughs> I use an app to, first of all, um, to check my, my money. So I got like a little distracted because one of my cats is banging on the door trying to get in. That happens in every episode. It is what it is. Um, I use an app to track my money manifestations. And I'm going to get to in a very quick moment what I mean by that. I use the Secret to Money app. Now, I know people hate on the secret because it was like the original book on Law of Attraction. People hate on it because it's like very elementary. And, like, the movie was a little cheesy, but, like, you know, it's a vibe. Why not? Um, So, like, don't come at me. (laughs) I have read the book. Like, it is, like, pretty simple based on the information out there now. But, like, I think it's dope that it gets so many people into the law of attraction. Anyway, they have a great app, actually. It's called The Secret to Money. I think it's, like, $2. It's a really fun money manifestation app. I, I I track all of my income in that app. So I use this app. Um, I really wish they like the whole secret franchise had better branding. It's just like so not my vibe, but it is what it is. I'm I'm one of those people who I guess because I'm so Venusian, like I'm really focused on aesthetics. And so it does slightly bother me whenever I open it that like the aesthetic is so not mine. But yeah, I'm not going to develop one myself, at least not yet. So let's move on. Um, anyway, so I track everything I attract in a month, every single month. Um, and I count fucking everything. 
in the app, you have different headings, like for example, business things that I know are either recurring or coming in. I make a little heading, things like, you know, private coaching package payment plans or, you know, past payment plans for previous courses or evergreen course sales or like all of the different categories that I know are coming in um, or that I want to set the intention for to come in. So if it's something that maybe doesn't come in every month in my business, I still give it a heading, even if it's like a zero. And I put a zero in all of them at the beginning of the month and then I add them up. And I also add in headings for everything else. I have a, I have a heading I call universal gifts, which is just literally everything that say someone gives me money as a gift. Say someone buys me lunch. I include the value of the lunch. Um, say someone like, you may, I get a discount on something. I include that. The reason I include absolutely fucking everything is twofold. One, there's a misconception that manifestation is only like the crazy fucking miracle shit. And that is not true. Your paycheck is a manifestation. Like <laughs> that counts that you, you took action on something. You are attracting that money. Like, I mean, your paycheck could not come, babe. <laughs> you laugh, but like it happens all the time. <laughs> or like it could be wrong. Or you could lose your job. Or like, you know, you have a business and you're expecting certain amounts of income because of payment plans. Like you have manifested those by creating, by showing up in the energy of your desire, by taking the action that follows and by like creating, manifesting something in this world. So I also love including those non-cash manifestations because it keeps me hella grateful and just blown away by the generosity of people in my life. Because like that universal gifts number, I'm going to be honest with you, is always the biggest number in the list. <laughs> and it just shows me like, wow, this is dope. And then I have like a little separate sheet that I just keep like on my computer and phone where each month I just, at the end of the month, I put two numbers. I put the total I manifested and in parentheses, I put the amount in my business because my business is, you know, the area I want to actively grow. So I like to, you know, look at both. That's my system. Anyway, that was a tangent, but it's something that actually a lot of people ask me about in conversations or like in conversations I'm a part of about like what constitutes a manifestation. So I wanted to actually go there for a moment. Moving on. So because, you know, fresh numbers, new month, it just like feels like there's a lot of possibility, which I love. We also recently on last Tuesday had a new moon, which is like total new beginning vibes. Plus it was an eclipse, which was literally wiping away so much past bullshit. I did a crazy clearing. I talked about it on Instagram. I tapped, tapping emotional freedom technique, EFT, if you're not familiar with it, um, you can listen to, we talked about it with Gala Darling. I think it was episode 36, I think, but I talk about it all the time. You could message me if you're not sure about what it is or how to do it, but it's a clearing technique and I sat for like an hour and literally I emerged and I took a nap, a long nap, and I emerged like a newborn baby. It was amazing. Um, anyway, so these possibility vibes have really like fed into my conversations with friends, with clients, with myself, because here's the thing. You know what? Let me start from square one. When we talk about possibility, it really comes down to this. 
in my view, there are two ways we can choose to show up in the world. Um, as one of my oft-quoted mentors, Amanda Francis says, and I, this is probably the thing I quote from her the most, <laughs> so I want to give her credit. Every paradigm is available. It's up to you to choose which one you're going to play by. What this means is this. There are countless paradigms, way of approaching the world that different people have and swear are the secret. And not like the secret I was talking about earlier, but like the secret to their success, you know, the thing that is the way. And they're all right. So why not choose a paradigm that is empowering, that feels good, and that feels true and like possible for you now? That's where we get things get tricky. The whole true and possibility thing, it evolves as you develop, you know, evidence, quite frankly, that things can be different. And so this brings me to what how my view on the two ways we can show up in the world when it comes to the idea of possibility. One is looking to things that happen. Maybe it's things that happen to other people. Maybe it's, um, let, let's be honest, let's actually focus on the people because that tends to be, our relationships tend to be our biggest either expanders or contractors of possibility. I'm going to get to what I mean by that in a moment. Um, so you have two choices. You can either view the experiences of others as expanders. Yes, that's my cat crying like she's being tortured she literally just wants to be pet so please ignore her as I am um, of course she could come in and I'd pet her as I podcasted but that never happens so you can choose to view those things that happen to others as indicators of possibility and that is where the idea of expanders come in so expanders are people who basically show you what's possible initially your expanders will be people you can relate to so maybe they're people who look like you. Maybe they're people who are from a similar background. Maybe they're people who you just like agree with what they say. And you think, oh, this person's kind of like me. If they can do it, maybe I can too. So you can approach it with that perspective. You still might not have any fucking idea how it's possible. But you're willing to believe that it could be. And that's where it all starts, you know, with, with creating new mindsets and beliefs. It doesn't start, you don't go from like not believing something to believing it wholeheartedly. You take steps. And the, the easiest first steps are, okay, I'm willing to be wrong on this. I'm willing for my, like everything I've thought up to now, I'm willing for that to be wrong. And, you know, I get it. I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> I have a stellium in Capricorn. I hate being wrong. I mean, I, I, I actually hold the belief that I'm never wrong, but you know, <laughs> you get my point. But you have to be willing to believe that you could be or that there could be another way. And you know, sometimes at first you may think like, well, I still don't think it's possible for me, but I do see that it's possible for some. Obviously, that's like kind of low on the empowering belief scale, but it might be a step above like, hell no, that's never possible. Well, not it might be. It definitely is a step. So here's the deal. That's one perspective. Or there's another perspective, which is very common. I don't want to say it's more common, but I kind of feel like it is. I kind of feel like it's the most common, which is to look at things that happen to others, things others have created, and 
immediately go to that's nice for them, but that's not realistic. That doesn't happen to most people. That couldn't happen to me because of this, because I have this deep flaw that makes success impossible. Um, Oh, well, they got lucky because of this, this, or this. Oh, they're probably, you know, this, this, or this. We make assumptions about the person of like why they have that level of success, all of these things. So the difference here is that the first perspective is expansive. Even if it's just barely, it's an expansion from where you are now. And the second perspective is a contraction and shutting things off. Now, I understand. <laughs> I, I, I want this to be obvious, but unfortunately, it's not obvious because um, not everybody talks about this in terms of this kind of work. I, my belief that the first perspective is more empowering has nothing to do with the fact, the very real fact, that there are socioeconomic factors that impact our access, our initial access to resources. But here's the thing. If you're part of a group that is oppressed and that does have less access to resources because of any number of factors, you do have two choices, which is to be like, well, that's that means my success is impossible or fuck you guys. I'm going to do it anyway. And I hate to say it, but with the prior, the, the, for the former example, capitalism and the patriarchy win. <laughs> and I say this because like I am endlessly inspired by my friends who come from oppressed communities and who are like slaying and and in our conversations, a lot of them have, you know, and obviously this is not universal, but many of them have have said they're like, yeah, like, fuck that. Yeah, that's true. And it stops here. And I'm going to be successful anyway. Yeah, I know that's hard. <laughs> and, and I'm and it's real. Like many people aren't, you know, are less likely to even get to that point because they don't even have access to the initial resources that give them those opportunities or that, that make them think those opportunities are possible. Okay. So I, I want it to be clear that that all of that is true. And we all have an opportunity to, on top of that, make another choice. I'm not saying it's always an equal opportunity. I'm not saying it's equally easy for everybody, but it is equally possible. And that's a big difference that people miss. There's a difference between possibility and like probability, I guess. Now, here's the thing. I actually hear this more like more often from people who aren't part of those groups. <laughs> They're like, well, yeah, that's nice for this person, but like not everybody can have that. And it's like, well, I often find that comes with a level of guilt, of privilege guilt. Okay, I'm a white woman. Um, so, yes, there are definitely institutional issues that give that, that one might argue give me fewer opportunities than men. But I say fuck that because I create my own opportunities, you know? On the other hand, I'm also white. So, like, that's a real big area where I am given privilege and others aren't. And so here's the thing. Here's my approach. My 
viewing someone's success as a result of their privilege, while it can certainly call to attention social issues, what am I doing with that? Am I actually using that as something that lights my fire of working towards more equality? Or am I simply using that as an excuse for why I shouldn't be able to succeed? Often it's the latter and that's where things don't make sense. You know, just because you have these levels of privilege doesn't mean that you shouldn't pursue what you want to pursue. Certainly it's our responsibility to pursue our dreams, our big ideas, our visions in the understanding and making the commitment to making things as socially conscious as possible. But when you succeed, or rather if you don't succeed because you are, you feel like since everybody doesn't have equal opportunity to opportunities, you shouldn't take advantage of the opportunities presented to you, that doesn't help anybody. That doesn't give and there's an exception to this, which I'm going to add in a second, so hear me out, it generally doesn't automatically give that opportunity to someone else. There are exceptions. For example, um, I recently heard about someone's conversation with an actor, and the actor had been asked to play a Native American in a movie, and she was not Native American, so she declined the role because she said that role should go to a Native American. I agree completely. Um... There's a difference between the idea of taking up space. So if you are taking up space, and this is the same, I think, for a lot of practitioners of like um, the shamanic traditions of other cultures or the spiritual traditions of other cultures. Um, Valeria, the Mexican witch, recently, somewhat recently on Instagram, posted about this beautifully. She's a practitioner of Santa Muerte, and she talked about the question of, is Santa Muerte for white people? And her answer was, yes, and. So the yes part was, you know, when it comes to spiritual beliefs and practitioner and, pra- and practices, there really is no, in her opinion, no, like you get to believe whatever you get to believe. Like there's no, groups don't have moratorium on belief. However, the problem is when you're taking up space and you're like, say you're writing a book about the practice of Santa Muerte, which is a practice that originates in Mexico, and you're not Mexican. You, one could argue, you are taking up space of a Mexican author who should be making, writing that book instead. Now, I think it's more complicated than that, but 100% you need to be aware of how much space you're taking up. Now, for example, I don't think that in that case, like, a white person can't write a who actually practices this shouldn't write a book about it. However, I think they should give, you know, most of the space in that book to voices of other native practitioners. What maybe it's through interviews or other things, you know, like that. So my point here is that we have two choices in the way we view possibility, and one is expansive and one is contractive. And here's an additional problem with that contractive view of possibility, which is very common. And, you know, here's the thing. I get, like, that cynicism. I struggle with that cynicism most days of, like, 
oh, but is this really possible? Like, oh, lucky them. Like, I'm not a very jealous person, but, you know, sometimes I see people's success and it can be triggering, of course, like, oh, nice for them, but blah, blah, you know. And I'm at the point where I can catch myself making those bullshit excuses and be like, well, that doesn't mean I can't be successful. In fact, it shows possibility. But I understand this is hard to deal with. And that's, I mean, that's why I have so many of these conversations because I understand that it's not easy. Now, there's another problem with a more contractive view of possibility, and that is this. It's neuroscience. That pesky bitch that, <laughs> that you know, really runs the show. I mean, the law of attraction ultimately is neuroscience, which is that it is proven that we notice what we look for. We being humans with human brains. So if you view the successes of others, for example, if you view the successes of others in the light of like, oh, they got it for this reason that couldn't happen to me and so on, that shuts your mind off to possibilities because possibilities and opportunities become something that's for other people. And if you're not looking for opportunities or possibilities in your life, I promise you, you won't find them. And conversely, if you are looking for them, I promise you that you will find them. James Altucher, who's a writer, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like everyone these days is like, how do you categorize someone into one thing? One of the practices he talks a lot about is making a list of ideas every day. I think he does like 30 ideas. I don't even know. He talks about it in one of his books that I read like years ago, but it stuck with me, writing down ideas every day. And it keeps your idea muscle strong. But what this really does is it strengthens the reticular activating system of your brain, which is the, you know, serves the function of deciding what information to filter. Because the information that we are actively aware of is, I don't remember the exact numbers, but like we, the brain processes like, I think almost 3 million pieces of information per second. And our conscious mind can only process up to like 2,000 pieces of information. Like I said, you know, the numbers, don't remember them exactly, but that's the difference. Like millions, thousands, right? And so your brain has to choose what to filter out. And that is malleable. That is changeable. This is not wooey stuff. This is, this has been studied by psychologists, by neuroscientists. Like this is how the brain works. Okay. So here's the thing. I've talked about this, I'm sure, on previous episodes. When we experience a thought, it's tied to an emotion. It's tied to a feeling. And that, um, that releases a protein in the brain. That protein travels through the bloodstream down the, the brainstem, travels into the bloodstream, and it connects to cell receptor sites. Now, over time, the cell receptor sites actually change form to attract those same proteins, which are caused quite, quite you know, simply by your thoughts and emotions, which literally means that our bodies get addicted to thought patterns. 
And this is why it's so difficult at first for most people to change. But once you do, it becomes easier because you're kind of like breaking. It's like going cold turkey on an, on like an addiction. Like if you've quit smoking cold turkey or sugar or any any drug, because yes, smoking and sugar are both drugs, <laughs> just like cocaine or heroin or anything else. Um, easy to forget caffeine. If you've gone, if you've gone cold turkey on caffeine, like, you know what this is like, <laughs> it's like hell for like a week or two. Usually some people longer, some people less. It's the same when you try to change your mind when it's a, especially the more deeply held belief, the deeply rooted that belief is. But once you like go through withdrawal, basically it becomes easier and eventually it becomes the easiest thing in the world. Because it's just your new normal. So what happens when you are shutting off possibilities and opportunities by thinking that they're for other people and that they aren't for you for X, Y, or Z reason, you don't see them. There's a really fascinating study. I forget where they did it. Um, but they there are actually a few. I know about a few studies. I'll keep this short, the example short. But there was one study that where they had two test groups. One were people who self-identified as lucky. And the other were people who self-identified as unlucky. So, you know, they probably sent out a survey. They're like, do you consider yourself lucky or not, right? Most people call themselves unlucky. Like, I hear that way more than I'm a lucky person, you know? So they gave each group, each member of each group, a newspaper. And they asked them to find, to, t to count how many times a certain word was in that newspaper. Now, this is where it gets crazy. On page, I don't know, three, there was like a huge half page ad type looking thing that said like, stop reading now. This word is shown blank number of times in the newspaper. So say the word was banana. <laughs> stop, stop reading now. The word banana appears 23 times in this newspaper. Basically gave them the answer. This is where it gets really crazy. The people who identified as lucky, as self-identified as lucky, all of them stopped the exercise as soon as they got to that page. And they were like, oh, there, here's the answer. We're done. Whereas I think like 2% of the people who self-identify as unlucky even noticed it and they continued until the end, which probably took hours. How fucking crazy is that? And there have been a bunch of studies like this where basically people who self they found that people who self-identify as lucky or who people self-identify as like, you know, successful, like all these other words actually notice more, <laughs> especially notice more of the important stuff. There have been a ton of studies like this. And this is demonstration of the reticular activating system at work. And the studies have been done in an attempt to understand and to unleash and, har and harness the power of this. So you're doing yourself a disservice if you close doors by thinking things aren't possible for you for X, Y, or Z reason. Like I said previously, certainly there are very real factors that inhibit our access to certain groups, you know, certain types of opportunities, certain education, for sure. And we have an opportunity, not always an easy opportunity, but an opportunity to say, you know what, even though 
I've had this, I have this, 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 and this, you know, I don't want to say standing in your way because like that already has a really, you know, problematic connotation. But even though I'm blank, I still get to be blank. Like that's fucking powerful and inspirational as fuck. Like I said, it's not easy. None of this is easy, my friends, but it's simple. And it's a process. This isn't something you do overnight. You don't wake up and you're like, now I see the infinite possibilities in everything. But you, you know, you build it over time. And this is something I've seen in my life. You know, I'm, I'll be very honest and open with you right here. I am a lifelong under earner. Like most of my jobs I've worked have been um, well under living wages, many at minimum wage in various places I've lived. Um, I've worked mostly, you know, before being self-employed, mostly in service-based professions, like in restaurant work, customer service, things like that, or jobs that required manual labor, like, you know, farming, um, stocking stores, things like that, working in warehouses, etc. Um, my point is like my work, the opportunities that I have said yes to, because I'm not saying that other opportunities weren't presented to me, but because of my views on my own self-worth and my views of what was possible for me, the only opportunities I ever accepted or even really noticed were these, you know, non-glamorous ones. And before being self-employed, I never, I made, I think, uh, after working there five years, $18 an hour at one job. And all of my other jobs, I made less than 10. So, you know, and that's in the United States um, in urban in urban areas. So that's important for context. Anyway, um, I had to, over time, make choices to see things differently. And it wasn't easy. You know, I didn't have anyone pushing me to, like, do to be better or to do more you know in fact I had a lot of people who were like why do you want to do more like thinking of like my coworkers at a lot of these places or and who became friends you know I definitely had overall you know support from my family and my my core group of friends you know I definitely had support to like do what I wanted to pursue my vision and I also had a really pervasive social influence that was like why would you want to do more like very against the system, which, like, I still am in many ways. Um, but, like, equating that with, like, don't take opportunities into the system, which is, I think, really misguided because then it just, like, keeps you oppressed, <laughs> like, big time, which is exactly what it did. And over time, I made one choice and one choice and one choice, and guess what? I'm still making choices, and I still have, I don't want to say a long way to go, but I still have, you know, plenty to develop in this area. Um, I made those choices to look at things differently because I, I, I got to a point where I was like, something has to change and I'm willing to be wrong and I'm willing to drop this like bullshit, misguided pessimism and, and cynicism about the successes of others. And I say bullshit because like it kept me core, it kept me hungry it kept me sad. It kept me um, taken advantage of. Like, fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. And, you know, 
this is a process that takes time and this is possible for you and not just possible, it's necessary. You are not serving the world. You are not creating change by keeping yourself small. I'm passionate about this and this is the impetus behind everything I do. This is why in my tarot sessions, I'm never telling people what to do. I'm giving them information that allows them to empower themselves to make the choices they already knew were right. I never in a tarot session am telling someone something they didn't know. You know? In fact, <laughs> yesterday I had a session and it was really funny. She started out being basically she was like, I, I think like my general area of inquiry is like, I just want to know if everything's going to be OK with X. And, and based on our initial conversation, it was like so clear it was the right path for her. And I said, well, um, obviously, it's it's definitely going to tell us that everything is going to be OK. So um, session over, no refunds. <laughs> oh, we laughed because, I mean, really, that's kind of what it comes down to. But it's a process to get to the point where you can get behind, your energy behind that sense of possibility. And this was a process for me. You know, I talk a lot about this and I... Um, it's actually why I built my program, The Chariot, which is running right now for pre-sale and the live session starts at the end of this month, the next live session. I'll talk more about that in a minute, but I, I built this because over time I created massive amounts of change in like short pockets of time. And that over time, those big changes that happened quickly turned into basically a whole new life. Um, because, you know, we want things really badly. And sometimes that like deep desire, that deep yearning and wanting, which actually is kind of a low energy to create from, but it's often where we start. We just like want so badly for things to be different that we start to believe like maybe it could be because we just have to. It's like a matter of survival. So, you know, you can let it get to that point where like you kind of have no choice but to believe that there's more possible for you. Or you can continue sinking down and like, unfortunately, it's what happens to a lot of people because they don't have the tools to create a massive change. You know, so-called reality sinks in. And really what you do when like that quote unquote reality, because I think reality is an illusion. Well, I don't think it is. Like it is actually physically an illusion. That's a whole nother conversation for another episode. <laughs> but um you know, you have two choices when, when that happens and people start to question you and you start to question yourself because that's a very real thing. You, you do you give up or do you fucking go for it anyway? You take the reins and ride on. You know, maybe you go back and forth, but ultimately it's obvious which of those is going to serve you more. You know, and so... Each of, for me, each of these moments of big shifts where I decided to choose a path of possibility, each of these moments came from just being so fucking clear on what I didn't want anymore. And that's really the, the start of the manifestation process. Like I said, it's, it's kind of a low vibration to really create something from. You need to like get into a higher vibration of possibility before you can create something that really sticks. You know, if you're creating by just like, I can't fucking do what I'm doing. Because I'll be honest, my first three businesses I created from, I fucking hate my job. I hate my life. I have a skill. I'm going to fucking do this, you know? And like that carried me for sure. 
and seeing like my current business, which I created from, oh, I feel called to bring X, Y, and Z into the world. I don't know what's going to happen with it, but like I feel called to provide this turned into a business that has been much more successful, much more quickly because my energy kind of going into it was a little higher. My vibration was higher, but that doesn't mean like, you know, you start with where you are. So like I said, my first three businesses, I started by being just like, there has to be, you know, this other thing, this like dream I have or this skill I have that's sellable. Like it has to be a possibility because like, I don't want to keep doing what I'm doing. My first business, I was waitressing like at one of those really shitty places where it was a smoothie shop. I say shitty because I was waitressing, but like because people ordered at a counter, they never tipped us. <laughs> so we got paid like, you know, minimum wage and very few tips, even though we were still like going back and forth to tables and like doing all the things the server does. So um, I was being, you know, like terrorized. I'm exaggerating. Um, getting yelled at daily by my 20 year old boss and I had been developing these amazing vegan baked good recipes. Um, I wasn't a vegan at the time. I had been, but I had like in my time with veganism, I'd like really gotten good at baking and I had some killer recipes and I basically said yes to an opportunity, a possibility that I was willing to entertain of a local restaurant looking for an out of house baker. And that was the start of my first business, which was an allergy-friendly baking company. That was, you know, at the time, for me, for my needs at the time, pretty successful. And I was willing to see that initial possibility. You know, if I had been thinking, like, this is my life, it's never going to be different, I would have gotten that call or like the email or I forget how I initially saw it. And I would be like, Oh, that could, that would be nice. Must be nice to be able to do something like that. Instead of realizing that like I could be that person. And even then, you know, I was told like most small businesses fail. Like you should keep the waitressing job as a plan B, but like plan B's aren't really my style. They work for a lot of people. I'm not one of them. Later I was working for seven fifty an hour in retail and I became, ended up becoming a professional fire performer. I was already doing circus and fire performance, fire spinning, fire dancing on the side as a hobby. And I was starting to get gigs. And I was like, you know what? I can make some real money doing this. And I was like, I fucking hate working for seven fifty an hour in retail. Like, I'm going to just fucking go all in. And in time, I was making over $300 an hour as a performer. And I did that because I saw the possibility. I was like, I hate my life <laughs> and something has to be different. And here's this thing I love and I think it could make money and I'm just going to fucking go for it. And I did. Guess what people told me? They were like, you're so lucky. Most of us have jobs we hate. Again, it's that thing that's lucky. Like, oh, that's nice for you. But I don't have that, so I'm not even going to try. Like, no, no, there's no luck about it. Like, I just, I, I made choices <laughs> that led to actions. And, like, I embodied, you know, as little, and this was, this was a long time ago. This was, I don't know, eight years ago? Ten years? I don't even know now. Ten years ago? 
I'd have to do the math, but like my mindset was not where it was now. My spiritual tools were not as developed as they are now. And I still was just like, I didn't have the language or the vocabulary for this stuff, but I knew that if I followed these hunches, they would lead somewhere. And like I had some quote unquote failures, which I don't think failures really exist, but I had things that didn't go the way I wanted them to, we'll say. It wasn't like a straight linear shot. I kept going. I kept saying yes to the ideas. And eventually, like, things started happening. And I pissed a lot of people off in the in the um, process. A lot of people in my in that industry, that entertainment industry, you know, later on, because at that point I hadn't, you know, I was still working a part-time job. I went from that retail job to working in a grocery store. And I was, like, stocking late nights. And... I turned my work as a performer into an entertainment company. And that was when I really started pissing people off because I was, you know, I was charging like a very fair rate, which was many times what most of the people in the industry were charging. And that pissed people off. And yet my clients were thrilled. They were happy and they were getting a very professional experience because I was supportive financially. And, you know, people, yeah, like people outside of the industry were like, who's even going to pay for that? And I'm like, a lot of fucking people, especially because I did mostly corporate events and like big budget events um, or, you know, milestone events like weddings and things. And then the people in the industry were like, oh, your rates are too fucking high. Like, what makes you think you can charge that? And I'm like, well, I am. Here we go. (laughs) You know, but again, like it was the possibility. It was like, ooh, I don't feel good about like X rate. Because I know all the work that goes into these events. So I'm seeing a possibility of charging more and, you know, like changing my branding to, to appeal to a certain audience. And, you know, I was willing to see the possibilities. So I continued. I mean, this one's really personal. and I've talked about it before, but I'll be honest, like each time I bring it up, I'm just like, ooh, this was because this was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I was comfortably married in the wrong partnership. And honestly, and I didn't realize until after, like it didn't, I didn't feel really miserable or anything. I was married to someone lovely. But I was, you know, I had developed a shopping addiction, heavy wine consumption. Like a lot of numbing was happening and I didn't realize that's what it was. I wasn't happy. I didn't feel like I was growing. I didn't feel like I was able to be successful because I was numbing and it was like this, you know, cycle. And so I left. I gave away all those possessions I had acquired in my, you know, addictive cycles of behavior. And I left because I knew it was the right thing to do. And I knew I couldn't keep numbing. And I get emotional when I talk about it because I see so many people staying in partnerships or in job partnerships because they think that this is as good as it gets. And they feel guilt around like leaving something behind, like in the case of a job that's given them big opportunities, in the case of a relationship, someone who loves them, that isn't right for them. And... They don't see the possibility there. They don't see that they could have more. And unfortunately, gosh, especially with the jobs and the relationships, 
this is where all of those people, I'll tell you from experience, a lot of those people who have always been supportive of the crazy shit you're doing start to say like, are you sure? And that's where it gets hard because it's really hard when people who have always supported you are starting to question you. And they, they're saying, you know, nothing's perfect. Why can't you just be content? You're going to regret this. And, you know, you're, not, you're, you're just barely holding on your feelings of, like, I, this is, feels like the right thing to do, but you're barely holding on. You're probably questioning it constantly, too, and hearing that from people, you know, who are really close to you, that's hard. That's where you have to stand true and trust that there is something else possible for you. You know, my life, the way it looks today is the result of these actions. And each of these like individual actions actually happened very quickly for me. And over time, like I said, you know, there was time in between, like integration. Like I made a huge fucking shift, a quantum shift, like always ranging from overnight to like one month's time, <laughs> that like enough is enough moment. I operate well in that space and I took, you know, quick decisive action. And then there's that period of integration and then that kept happening over time. And like I said, it results in a whole new life, you know? And I need you to hear this. I need you to hear this. And like, I'm probably going to cry here and I don't even fucking care. I am so grateful that I ignored them. I'm so grateful that the realists, the people who had my best interests at heart, who I loved, that I ignored them, that I ignored their doubts, that I ignored their fears. Because when people tell you not to do things, it's because they have their own fears. They have their own, you know, most of us aren't operating in the space of expansion and possibility because we don't know how. And so we give advice from that place. It's well-meaning, it is. But that doesn't mean it's right. And that definitely doesn't mean it's right for you. And you know what? Like, there's still people, may, I'm sure way more people than I realize, who, I'm sniffling now, because I was, yeah. <laughs> who, you know, say like, oh, you're living in a fantasy world. Not just to me, but to others. But you know what? Fuck that. I stayed in my fantasy world and I did all of those fucking things and so many more. So many more. And they happened quickly because I was, I had decided to see that more was possible. And you know what? These are the, these are the choices that the average person calls irresponsible, impulsive. Like I've been called those two things many times. And honestly, it was a healing process for me that I'm, you know, I'm pretty much through, but it still comes up. Things still trigger it. It was a healing process of, of recognizing that like, I, I wasn't like, okay, maybe I wasn't impulsive, but why is that bad? That I'm not willing to, to stay in situations that don't serve me. You know, people have called me selfish and it's like, okay, if, if, it's, it, we all have a responsibility to, to show up 110% for ourselves. 
you know? I want people to be more selfish. And I've talked about that many times before because it's the wrong fucking people who are afraid of being selfish and who are using that fear to, like, keep them from doing things. Just like it's the wrong fucking people who are, you know, so, like, who are are, are using their misguided um, compassion for the world to, like, shut down their own opportunities. It's the wrong fucking people who are feeling like they don't like they can't take have more because it means someone else gets less it's the wrong fucking people it's the people who are going to be doing the best things with these opportunities these resources and guess what who's taking who's taking that shit it's not usually the person who deserves it it's the person who says yes to it because deserving is a is an illusion it's total bullshit like deserve like we we all deserve things equally and in that none of us deserve shit that's the paradox like I know if I say like we all deserve things equally that could be triggering because you definitely I'm sure we all have examples of our life of people who don't deserve things (laughs) in our minds me too I get it I'm working on this with you guys but it's You know, none of us deserve shit. So who's going to get it? Is it going to be you? I hope it is. No. Hope is a word I'm taking out of my vocabulary. I intend for it to be you. Do you want an average life? I mean, do you want the average life of, like, where possibilities are limited and exercising anything outside of that is viewed as irresponsible? No. If you're in my world, you want an extraordinary life. Like, you don't, you're not average. The fact that you're even listening to a podcast like this, that you're in my world, that you, like, resonate even a little with what I'm saying. Fuck, even if you don't agree with anything I've said on this episode, if you're still listening, you are not average. Average actions lead to average results. And extraordinary actions lead to extraordinary results. And there are no exceptions. You get to decide what's possible for you. You get to rewrite the past because the past doesn't matter anymore. You get to decide what you call in now. And you get to take the actions, the real actions that get you there. You get to decide your life changes today. And that whatever those things that you know you need to move through and move along on you get to decide that they get put into motion now or you decide that you're gonna stay where you are now and you know I'm not judging you for that because we change when we're ready and we're not always ready you know like there have been many times where I've been called to step up and I have sat down (laughs) it's real you know and we have free will always I'm never gonna judge you for, for deciding not to change or deciding not right now, but I am going to push you to say yes to yourself, to say yes to the possibilities, the opportunities. I'm going to push you to challenge yourself about what's possible. If you're like a, like a 10% there, yeah, it's probably not time for you to change that. But if you're like a, like a 40% there, like I'm going to push you to get to 100 
Actually, not even 100. I'm going to push you from 40 to 60. Because, like, once you're over that 50% threshold, you're pretty much ready, you know? This isn't about being, like, 100% ready. I don't believe that there's a right time for things. I believe that is all something we've created in our human minds. I don't believe in divine timing. I don't believe that God has a plan. I mean, I kind of do. Like, I do believe that the divine, like, the, the only plan the divine has, in my, my views of, you know, God universe... The only plan it has is the plan of you ascending constantly into your highest potential. And so, yeah, things might get shut down that aren't that, you know. Especially the more you, of this work you do and the, less, and the less tolerance you have for things that don't serve you. It will sometimes feel like doors are closing or closed or slammed shut in your face. <laughs> but, you know, I operate under the assumption that it's all for my highest good. Sometimes, like, the more it hurts, the more I know it's in my highest good because that shows that I was, like, hella attached to it on the egoic level. So this is why I do the chariot. All of this, this long roundabout story, it's why I developed this program. If you don't know about the chariot, if you've been in my world, you probably do. It's my signature group program. It's a four-week course on rapid transformation and practical quantum leaping because I'm all about growing that possibility muscle in you and showing you how to develop your own best actions that you intuitively know are right to get there. This is a system that allows you to change everything in whatever area of your life you are experiencing that contraction of possibility it allows you to expand and take a quantum fucking leap forward in any area of your life you know maybe it's a career change or launching a business or it's a, a move like a big move or even a small one like i mean small it could be just moving out of the house you grew up in and like still feel huge the conversation that's going to change everything, the like come to Jesus conversation, I say, <laughs> um, you know, a healing, emotional, physical, a new renewed commitment to something that matters deeply, a new way of being in the world. Maybe it's just like a not sure what it is yet, but damn, something has to change because I can't fucking do this anymore moment. All of that can get put into motion. I can show you how. If this has fired you up and you want me in your corner for the next stage of your transformation, the chariot is absolutely for you. It's four amazing weeks together. It's an intimate group. Um, you'll receive four or you'll be a part of four live video classes on really taking you through my step of changing everything fast. We talk about getting clear on the next chapter, cultivating self-trust. We talk about the archetype of the chariot, which comes from the tarot. It's the card of, of rapid transformation. It's the card of stepping the fuck up. It's the card of taking the reins and saying, okay, I'm in charge of my life now, and this is where we're going. We talk about the psychology and energetics of quantum leaps. Um, we talk about creating a blueprint, a map for your up level, specific steps you're going to take to get there. We talk about stepping into your quantum identity, that identity of yourself that already has done this and knows exactly what to do. We talk about self-worth, 
dissolving resistance, overcoming criticism from others as we evolve and shift. Um, we talk about a lot of energetics. I, you'll actually receive four meditations or energy practices that go along with the live classes that tackle this, all of this from the energetic level that clear blocks through practices, including EFT or tapping, um, through meditative practices that rework the energy in your nervous system, creating new possibilities, creating new cap new capacity for change. These are the things that help you when if you've ever like tried to make a big change and just freaked the fuck out and then like sabotaged it. That's what we learn not to do in the chariot. And so we have four live classes, we have four meditations, four workbooks, each section gets one of each. We have an extended live Q&A at the end where you get all of your questions answered. And best of all, you actually get coached on these concepts from me on each call, if you desire. Plus, there are fucking awesome bonuses. So we start at the end of July. Pre-sales open now. So you get a $111 discount. Um, I'll be up front. This is a $444 program. Payment plans are, are available. In the pre-sale, which ends in one week, um, you get access to the program. Pay in full for $333. So you save $111. Or for a payment plan, you can get started for $40 super affordable payment plan. And the cool thing is if you join in the pre-sale, you get access to two of my online courses immediately. So this like gets you in this space through self-guided work, gets you in this space of transformation. So you hit the ground running at the end of July. And it's fucking dope. I love this program. I put my heart and soul into this program. This program, it can change everything for you if you're willing to step up and do the work, if you're willing to be wrong, if you're willing to entertain a different set of possibilities, a bigger set of possibilities. And I make it super affordable because I want to get this work to everybody. I have an awesome pay and full bonus. It's an incredible custom carved seven-day prayer slash spell candle. Um of embodying the chariot archetype first five painful souls get that amazing free gift it's like a 60 dollars value it's a like beautiful one-of-a-kind piece of art that you can burn and like put your intentions into or just admire like i'm really generous with this offer because i want to get all of this to you and everybody can benefit from this everybody has something they need to, they need to move quickly so what are you waiting for? If you're still listening, like get, get, get in. Don't miss the pre-sale price. It's going to go up over $100 in one week. So just get in this week. Get in now. Get in today. Use this weekend to binge the courses that you get access to as, as pre-work bonuses. And yes, you get access to those even with the payment plans. Get in this. Get in tonight. <laughs> get in. Don't sleep on this. If this resonates, if this podcast episode has resonated with you, if my story has resonated with you, if my passion about this resonates with you, you are meant to be with me on this journey. I want to be in your corner. I want to give you all of the support I need. I lay it all out in this course. It's live, so it works and molds and shifts depending on the needs of the people in it. 
It's amazing. You can go to rebirthofvenus.com slash the chariot or head to the show notes. And of course, just click the first link you see and it'll take you right there. You can, as always, send me your messages um, either at via email, hello at rebirthofvenus.com or my favorite slip into my Instagram DMs. I love chatting with you all. I've had such, such good conversations with podcast, my podcast peeps recently and Instagram. So at rebirth underscore Venus, I will, I I will always respond to you. And um, I can't wait to talk to you about this. And I can't, can't, can't wait to see you inside the chariot. This is going to blow your mind. Um, You get lifetime access to this course. So all of my people from last rounds are getting access to this next round, which is like even more powerful even more big like it's just so big (laughs) don't let that scare you that bigness like you are ready for this I know you are and you deserve every second of it I can't wait to see what comes next for you I can't wait to do this together and I can't wait to see you inside the chariot so um I'll see you there I'll see you there it's my absolute pleasure it's my absolute delight and open-hearted, I don't even know what it is. It's just so good to have this conversation with you. I hope it inspired you. Even if you don't join me for the chariot, I hope that you let this message ring, like ring in your ears. That sounds painful, but you get my point, I hope. I hope you let this message reverberate in your soul. I want you to know in closing that the possibilities for you in your life are so much bigger than anything you ever imagined. And life is just a process of, of melting away the resistance and our, you know, limited ways of thinking that limit those, that artificially limit those possibilities. Every day I'm, I'm called to step up bigger (laughs) and it scares me more, but and I, and I meet people who are doing things on a bigger scale than I could have ever imagined. And they're just people like me. And that blows my mind. And I can't wait to see what comes next for all of us, even myself. Thank you so much for listening. It's been my pleasure to have you join me on this conversation, this long conversation, this in-depth, soulful conversation. Let's continue it on Instagram. And I'll talk to you all soon. Have an amazing week. Enjoy your weekend. And I'll see you inside the chariot. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, be sure to leave a five-star review in the Apple Podcast app and share it with a friend. I would love to hear from you. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram. DM me at rebirth underscore of Venus. And be sure to grab your free ritual guide at rebirthofvenus.com.